Hello everyone and welcome back for some more freshly brewed drag tea. Today I have with me a stunning Canadian queen who wowed us with her beauty and charm when she competed on season one of Canada's Drag Race. I'm super excited for you all to get to know her better and learn more about her amazing journey in drag. We'll of course be talking all things Drag Race and I'll be asking some of the great questions you all sent in. Please join me in welcoming the always amazing Juice Box. Hi. Hi. How are you? Good, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I've had a nice day. I've just been doing chores. So easy. <laughs> that sounds fun. I love I love the ears. They're very good. Thanks. My little cat ears. I've got my little um, my little razor cat ears. <laughs> it looks it looks very twitch. Yes. Yeah. I mean, this is like my whole twitch setup. So I sometimes I wish I didn't have such like large um like what's it what's it called? Just obnoxious headphones. But I feel like it just, like, if I'm doing anything like this, I'm just like, no, it makes sense. So I'll just keep it on. <laughs> That's, I mean, I don't know much about Twitch. I, I, I barely know anything. I just know that a lot of them wear the ears and it's like a thing. So. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, I feel like a lot of the like girls do it and it's like really cutesy. Um, and a lot of the guys wear these just like obnoxious, like black with like purple lights and it's so like butch and video gamey and I'm just like just have some fun wear a pink headphone my god (laughs) well they look great so I think it fits with your personality and everything and so yeah so obviously super excited to speak to you I know people were very excited to hear from you and I think obviously you know we were all sad we didn't get to see much of you on on Canada's Drag Race so I was just wondering if you could sort of tell us a bit about how you got involved in drag maybe how your name came about and things like that um I got into drag because I was partying a lot and um I had really low self-confidence and I saw all the queens who had like who were always getting in for free and they were getting free drinks and they were super confident and everybody wanted to talk to them. So I was just like, I could do that. I could, I could be that person. And I was a makeup artist and I was like, so cocky. So I was just like, Oh, that'll be so easy for me to do. I still looked like an absolute dog for the first like two years, but in my mind, I looked incredible. Um, but yeah, I, I think I got into it for sort of the wrong reasons. Like when I got into drag, I got into it not to perform, but just to look pretty just look hot at parties just to get in for free like that I was using it like like that and it wasn't until a few years later that I really fell in love with it and fell in love with what I could do and how I could you know take this art and and kind of create something better with it um and my name is is this is this is this 18 plus this interview I'll I'll bleep stuff out it's fine (laughs) Oh, okay. My name was me and my friend were sitting on the, uh, on his couch watching TV and we were trying to figure out a drag name and we were watching Will and Grace and Karen Walker picked up two boxes of wine and said, I brought juice boxes. And we looked up what juice box means in urban dictionary and it means a full of. And we thought that that was just really funny. Um, so we were like, yeah, that's a good drag name. And then now I'm just too deep in to change it. So I'm just like, nah, that's just my name. <laughs> Okay. Wow. That was, I did not, I've never heard of that. I thought it just meant a box of actual like juice, like fruit juice. No, no, it means, it means the other thing. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's it. I mean, it's an interesting name, but um, well, that's, yeah, that's certainly an interesting name, but it's, it, it sounds like it could be either. So I guess it works. It can be adult. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I mean, like, I think with my persona and like how I go about things, especially my performances or the way that I, I, I hold myself at shows is I am a very much more of kind of like a very sexy, sensual sort of performer. So for me, I think it makes sense for my whole brand. Um, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, so speaking of that, obviously on the show, you... Um, one of the things like you said in your entrance was that you are sort of a very like sensual person and that's sort of quite a big part of your personality and you said you know I just want everyone to think that I'm hot is yeah. that is that something that's like quite important to you like what how, how did that sort of develop um I think through like years of um self-loathing uh <laughs> and especially like being you know, in the gay community, there's so much pressure to look a certain way and to act a certain way and to, so you're accepted. And so people want to be around you. And it's not like I'm dating or anything. I've been with my husband for 18 years. So it's not like I'm like looking for the approval of men that I want to be with, but it's just like, it's, I think it's just looking for the approval of your community. And I think that's where it kind of stems from. Um, because like, I'm, I wanted to feel confident in who I was and that's why I got into drag. So th- juice could feel confident but then once I felt confident in my drag then I had to kind of go back and be like okay now I need to make like myself like my real everyday person confident so let's work on that (laughs) I mean no it's 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 a great name and I think also you did kind of show that like your entrance look was really stunning and you you kind of gave off that vibe so I think that works it doesn't matter whether you're single or not it's just how you feel if that makes you feel good then why not yeah yeah (laughs) totally um yeah so no I think I was it was great and like speaking of obviously your entrance look I think my audience probably will best know you from season one of Canada's Drag Race mm-hmm. um so I was just wondering if you could talk a bit about how did you get involved in Drag Race did you always want to go on like when the, a Canadian version became available did you ever think there would be a Canadian version I mean when it came about, um, it was funny, like in Canada, the when the announcement came that it was coming to town, you could tell like, it was almost like a wave went over all of Toronto, like, or like, and Canada, like everyone was just like, on edge, like you could tell it kind of changed the game because it used to be we didn't care because there wasn't a way for us to get on the American season. There was no way one of us could get on unless we were Brooklyn Heights and we won Miss Continental. We got an American citizenship. We auditioned, like there's, there was no way any of us could have had this opportunity. So a lot of us were just like, nah, whatever, we didn't care. We just went about our things and went about our art and got to open for American Rude Girls. And it was great and fun. Um, but then once we actually got the opportunity to, that it was going to be coming here, we were like, okay, well you have to audition. Like you, no matter what, everybody was just like, you have to audition, get on or not. You have to audition just to take the chance. And I never, never thought I was going to get on. I, I was the girl that, um, I was always kind of like a second thought, you know, I was always the girl that was just, I was on the roster, but no one really cared or I was on the roster and I wasn't the girl that everybody was waiting for. Um, I opened a lot. Like I was in a thing called the Spice Queens with Priyanka. Uh, we were a Spice Girls cover group. They always had me open the solo parts. I was always the girl who could uh, change the fastest. So they just had me open. They kind of always gave me like the the end of the stick always. And that was just kind of who I was in the city. Uh, and then I auditioned fully thinking I wouldn't get on. And then I kept making it through and I kept making it through and I kept making it through. And I felt like even people who I was talking to about making it through, they were almost surprised. They were like, oh, really? And I was just like, yeah, I can't believe it. 
Um, and people around me who I thought would have gotten on weren't getting calls and weren't getting onto the video and weren't getting these things. And then I, I made it on and I was just like, holy I thought I was being pranked until I walked on. Like, I didn't think it was real. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I'm glad that you got on, but obviously it's a shame that you felt like, or other people made you feel like you weren't going to get on because you, you, on the show, you did, regardless of whether you went home first, you did show that you are like great. You had really great fashion. You came across really well on the show. And I think I can see why they brought you on because I think you had this like really like warm persona and you like, and your looks that you did show were like the, the entrance <laughs> of everything actually did look really good. And I think you interacted with the girls really well and you had a really good storyline. Um, and one of the one of the parts of it, which I was going to touch on, was obviously you talked about being sober and mm-hmm. your sobriety journey. I've been sober for about two years now. It felt good to have a conversation with Bo about sobriety. Being in the industry that we're in, there's a lot of people that come to the show just to see how drunk you're going to get. What did that? How did that kind of come about? Because I think on the show you said that at the time of filming you had been sober for two years. Yes. Um, how did that kind of? come about in the obviously drag world is a lot to do with alcohol and partying and stuff. So how did that kind yes. of all work? Um, well, I'm five years now, so that's very exciting. And then just gives you kind of an idea of how long ago we shot, wild. Um, but I remember when I was, when I first got into drag, the whole reason I got in was again, to party, feel popular, like all those things. And what comes with that is alcohol. Um, And I was surrounded by partiers. I was surrounded by like, you know, village rats, village socialites. So um, a lot of my social life was around drinking. I had drinking buddies. I was also around people who did a lot of drugs. I was around people who did a lot of partying, a lot of after partying. And I never did drugs. It was too, it was always a little too scary for me. That was the the part where I was just like, I don't know if I want to take that next step. Um, but I feel like if I kept drinking, I kind of, I might've taken that next step. I might've kind of went into that world. But I think for me, a lot of it was the people I was surrounded with. Cause I remember there was at one point, it was about a year before I went fully sober. There was, there was this part of me that was just like, you know what? I'm going to slow down. I'm really going to slow down on the drinking because I was seeing the way that alcohol was affecting the lives of those around me. And I was like, I don't want to be that. Like, that's gross. Like, I don't want to be that person. So I was slowing down. I was only drinking sometimes, but that meant when I did drink, I got wrecked, you know? And I felt like the people that I was friends with were using that to their advantage where they would be like, oh, Juice is drinking tonight. So let's get her wasted. Let's see what she does. Let's see what she says, you know? And I was just like, that's, that's not a friend, you know, and that's not someone who you want around and that's not someone who you want to be influencing you. And that's not someone who you want to be kind of with you on your journey. So I think there was at one point I was on my honeymoon and I had a drink and I kind of just was like, I don't want this. This doesn't taste good. This isn't making me feel happy. I want to feel happy. And I think I'm done. And I just kind of decided to stop drinking from there. And it was a hard journey. There was definitely people who didn't support it. There was definitely people who questioned it. But I feel like nowadays it's becoming more and more normalized with entertainers to not drink. And I like to feel like I've had a nice little sprinkle of that because I've been so very vocal about it being so inclusive to sober people, especially sober entertainers at shows. 
Um, I feel like that's a very big part of my platform is that you don't have to drink to have fun and that a lot of places need to be inclusive of those people because we hold a big chunk of the queer community still. No, it, it was a, it's a great message. And I think, like you said, there are more and more people, especially in terms of even just like drag race, a lot of people have talked about sobriety, whether it's alcohol or other substances. And I think your your journey was really interesting. And I think obviously, because it was the first season, we'd never had someone on Canada's Drag Race talk about that. And even in Drag Race before, there hadn't been as much talk about that. So I thought it was really inspiring when you were talking about it. And obviously, you know, congratulations on five years. Um, It just shows you how long ago it was, that, like you said, that you did uh, film it because you were two years at the time. So that's three years ago. Um, Wild. (laughs) Insane. um, yeah because on the show one of the other elements of of that which I thought was really interesting and also obviously kind of sad was you said that people stopped coming to your shows um, Mm -hmm. because of your you becoming sober did people stop coming to your shows when you sobered up uh well people don't go to my shows in the first place (laughs) people like full uh, like stopped coming to mine really so yeah and someone actually in the questions for you asked like how has that affected your career like have you seen did you see a a decline once you went sober I mean it's funny because it's it it's it helps your career but at the time you're like oh this sucks the people that I would normally see aren't there you know they're not coming to me anymore But, but the only reason they were coming to you before was to give you a shot they weren't there to give you money they weren't there to tip you they weren't there to support you and cheer you on they were there to give you drinks They were there to to drink with you. You know, I wasn't get asked to go to the bar anymore. I was told that when I was in the dressing room, I was boring. They were like, Juice is boring now. She's not fun. She just sits in the dressing room quiet. And it's just like, you're, especially for someone who's recently sober, you're maneuvering this, um, this world that you're not familiar with because you were in it so comfortably incapacitated by this alcohol, you know, or drugs, depending on whatever your vice is. Um, so then when you go back into that space, especially like it's two in the morning, you're tired, you know, you're trying to kind of like feel out like how you can maneuver with these people, how you can speak to these people. Because when you're, when you're sober and especially recently sober and you're surrounded by drunk people who are very loud and very normalized in how excessive drinking is, it's, it's hard and it's hard to kind of feel comfortable and it's hard to sort of speak to them and speak to people around you. So I felt like for those comments to be made about me, they were really hurtful, but at the time it hurts. But then also on the flip side, I was getting more bookings because people saw me as more responsible. I was showing up on time. I wasn't showing up because a lot of the times I was pre-drinking with people. And when you're pre-drinking with drag queens, everything takes longer. So they were showing up late to things. They were showing up drunk to things. And I was in that group of people. I was in that kind of surrounded by those people and showing up and people kind of gave me this reputation. And I, and I slowly, as my sobriety went along, that reputation started to fade away and a reputation of me showing up on time, being incredibly professional, giving a good performance, not um, being rude on the microphone, not saying things on the microphone, not saying stupid things on the microphone, not saying stupid things after the show, you know? So I feel like at the time it does suck, but it does greatly, greatly help your, your journey. And I would have never gotten on Drag Race if I kept drinking at all at all I don't even know if I would still be doing drag I don't even know if I would have like I bought a house I live I live uh, I live with my husband and my dog and we're doing renovations like I wouldn't have any of this if I kept drinking you know 
Yeah, that's a really inspiring story. So I think it's 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 very interesting. So I guess even if you're not a drag queen, even if you're just someone who likes going out and drinking, it's it is like can be a really big problem, especially in the entertainment industry where it is so yeah. connected. So I thought you talking about it was like really important and it was a really interesting storyline. And I'm glad that you got to go on Drag Race to talk about that on such a big platform. Thank you. Um, obviously, speaking of Drag Race, so yeah, obviously you you got on, which is great. Um, so when you sort of, what did it feel like then walking in on that first day and then, you know, you do your little entrance and everything and then you see the other girls? What does all that, what does that feel like in that moment? Cold. Um, it was very cold. <laughs> it was freezing. Uh, no, it was fun. I mean, it's it's fun. It's weird, right? Because you're you're not just walking into like a room with people. You're you're on a TV production, you know? So there's a lot happening behind the scenes. Like you're waking up at four in the morning to get ready. They're carting you to a room, but they're making sure no one else is crossing at the time because you're not allowed to see each other. You have to have headphones in so you can't hear anybody in the other rooms. You're not allowed to talk. Um, going to the bathroom was a really big deal. Like some girls didn't go to the bathroom until like five o'clock that evening and they were tucked all day. Like it was wild. Like it was the first season. They were trying to work out some kinks, but, um, it was, it was, it was weird. It was cool and it was fun, but it's not like what you watch on TV. You know, once you're there, you definitely see like, you're like, oh, I'm on a TV set. There's directors, there's producers, there's cameras. There's a lot of moving parts. Um, but it is fun. It is cool. I, I, I've worked on film sets for years. So like, for me, it wasn't an uncomfortable atmosphere. It was just different to be on the other side of the camera. Yeah. That must be weird to sort of peek behind the curtain and sort of, see, I mean, obviously, like you said, you already had, you already kind of knew that cause you'd worked on production sets before, mm. but I guess to be a fan of the show and then to go on, it must be quite weird to think that you are on the show now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was weird. And I mean, they treat you like gold because I went from working as a makeup artist on set where they treat you like hot garbage to when you are talent on a set and they're they'll rub your feet if you feel like your foot's gonna hurt that day they'll be like I've got you do you want anything do you need anything and I was just like great holy they treat you so good um except except once they actually throw you on set then it's just like oh it's all you now, babe. That's why when I got stuck, I thought, I, that's why I said help, because I thought they were going to come and help me because they were doing everything for me that day. I'm stuck. <laughs> help. <laughs> so I thought they would come on and take me out. But they were, well, that's when I realized I was like, oh, no, now it's all me. Now I'm all alone. Okay. Yeah, that's that's a good that's actually an interesting point and what I was going to ask about was yeah because obviously in your entrance you did like your your bracelet I think it was got stuck on your tights yeah and when you when that happened did you kind of think oh they're going to use this in the edit or did you think they'll let you redo it and do it again I knew they were going to use it in the edit um when I got eliminated that's when I knew they were going to use it in the edit because they they prompted me to say and I don't know if it aired because I've only watched my episode like once. Um, but they prompted me to say, I got stuck. I tripped in the mini challenge and I danced my ass off and something like that. I came, I saw, I got stuck on my outfit. I fell in the mini challenge and then I danced my ass off. There you go, Canada. So the, I, when they said that, I was like, oh, I know the story they're trying to do. They're going to make me look like the kind of silly bimbo 
character that gets put out first but I'm happy with what they did they didn't make me look just stupid the whole episode but I did look a little like onesie clumsy <laughs> you know that was yeah I, I re-watched the episode actually earlier to sort of try, refresh my memory because I haven't watched season one in a while um mm. but yeah yeah you said you kind of said that at the end you said you kind of almost like did a summary of what had happened in the episode like I came in got stuck tripped um and then got elim- danced, danced and then got eliminated yeah um, they told me to say that. That's interesting to know then. So I guess, yeah, like you said, that's, it shows you how produced the show is that they're really, yeah. how is this going to, how are we going to explain this to an audience? We want the person themselves she, to tell us. Yeah. She came up to me. It was our, one of our producers, Jen, or sorry, they came up to me um, and they said, um, can you say this? And I went to them and I was just like, you're going to make me sound stupid, aren't you? You're going to make me look dumb on this show. That's what you're trying to do right now. And they were like, no, 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 I promise that's what we're going to do. And I went, no, that's what you're doing. You're trying to make me look stupid. I'll say it, but I just want to let you know that that's how I feel. And they were like, okay. <laughs> so I think that's why they didn't make me look as stupid. They made, they gave me a little bit more of an arc because I was just like, I am leaving here thinking you guys are making me look like an absolute moron. Um, but they didn't. So that was nice. <laughs> No, you didn't. I, you didn't come across as a moron to me, at least. I like you said what you said earlier, like the kind of slightly ditzy, not bimbo, but just like ditzy kind of like. And that's we that, that's not a bad thing. Like I thought that was actually quite endearing, so I actually quite liked that. Yeah, well, that's good. It, it did its job. <laughs> and and so when you did see the rest, obviously you walk in, get stuck, and everything, and then you know everyone else comes in. Um, who did you know from the cast already? Almost everyone. Okay. Yeah. Who, Almost everyone. Who didn't you know then? I did. Well, when I first walked in, I obviously knew Priyanka. Um, I knew Alona because somebody called me and said Alona is going to be on the show. So I started following her before I got on. Uh, and she followed me back. Actually, when the cameras weren't rolling, she was just like, did we follow each other? And I went, I knew you were going to be on the show. She's like, I knew you too. <laughs> uh, so we, we followed each other. Uh, and I didn't know, I didn't know who Kiara was, but she seemed nice enough, but um, nobody in Toronto follow uh fell through on their nda we all knew each other was on the only one we didn't know who was going to be on from toronto was um uh starzy because starzy wasn't really working a lot starzy was more of a pageant girl she had a full-time job so she would only ever do pageants we would only ever see her really rarely so she wasn't one that we were talking to a bunch so she was the only big surprise uh, oh, and Boa. Boa kept it really close. Boa didn't tell anybody. So we were surprised with Boa and Starzy, but like I knew Scarlett, I knew Tainomi, I knew Priyanka. Uh, I even heard whispers of Kine. So, yeah, I suppose I, from what I've heard, I guess it's the drag scene in Canada, although Canada's a massive country, I guess it's like Toronto is one of the biggest sort of areas where people live and also the drag. So if you're kind of in that scene, you kind of know everyone, probably similar to like if you're in London or something like that, you all kind of know each other. Yeah. And you don't know how to keep a secret. Well, drag queens <laughs> have big mouths. So we do have big mouths. That's why they try to lock you down with an NDA, but we're like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but then also there's like four costume designers and like two wig stylists. Right. So who's always at Leland's house. You can kind of like tell who's going to be on the show. Yeah, that's the other thing is like, if there's only a few designers, you kind of all going to use the same people. So, mm-hmm. 
And so, well, yeah, so you get on the show, you meet everyone. Um, and your first challenge, we kind of discussed it a little bit earlier. The first mini challenge was the like the walking up the mountain and the photo mm-hmm. shoot. Um, how did that feel? Because was that the first time, I guess, did, did, was that maybe the first time you really felt like, oh, yeah, I'm on Drag Race doing a challenge with all the judges watching me being blown by a fan, you know? Like, no, because I... I'm annoying. Okay. So what I did, they didn't show this, but they give you very clear instructions. Like, okay, you're going to go in, you're going to step on your mark. They're going to tell you what you to do. And you're going to walk up the mountain, do the thing, walk down, thank them on your mark and leave. And I went, okay, cool. Um, I didn't do that at all. Um, I walked in, I walked right past my mark, right up to the judges. Cause I wanted to say hi to them and thank them. Like I was going to be like, thank you so much. I'm really, really excited. And Brooklyn, I've known Brooklyn for years. Like I've known Brooklyn since like I started doing drag when Brooklyn was just leaving the country. I used to drive her home after her shows. We would go to dinners like after the show all the time. And like, I've known Brooklyn for ever. So she, I think, knew she could speak to me this way because she was like, you f-ing idiot. I started walking up and she went, Juice, nope, don't do that. Nope, nope, nope. Go to your mark. Nope, that's not what you do. And I was like, oh, <laughs> turned around, did did my thing, went on the mark, went up, did my little challenge. And then after I finished the challenge, I did the exact same thing. I walked right off my mark and I walked right over to them to say thank you. And she was like, Juice, no, no, go back to your mark. And I was like, <laughs> So for me, I just did like, I just didn't even think like, I didn't even think like, oh, I have to follow directions. I was just like, whatever. I want to say hi to people. I want to talk. I want to chat. I want to say things. So I don't know. <laughs> well, that's interesting. I didn't, I didn't know that you knew Brooklyn that well. I assumed you knew all I knew of because in the critique, oh, no. I think you kind of mentioned, oh, that's very your brand. So I assumed she knew you, but I, I didn't know that, that part, you were that close. So how did that feel then having her be judging you if you're like friends before the show? Well, I mean, we were friends, but there's something about Brooklyn that was always very unattainable. She always very much had a guard up. She was always very much more talented than anyone in the entire city, no matter what you could do. You could always tell that Brooklyn was like, what did they say? You know that Sia song where she, she where she says something about the chosen one? Uh, I can't remember which song it is, but they would always, some people would perform it uh, and when they would say the chosen one, they would point at Brooklyn. Like we knew she was a big star, you know, Uh, especially when she won continental, even when she went and did continental the first time and got second place, we were like, she's going to go back and win it. It's Brooklyn. Um, So for me, there was, there wasn't a big shift in her being on the judging panel because she was always kind of very judgy and always at this sort of star power for me. I remember one time I watched her um, on one of her fundraisers uh, and I think I was still drinking. Yeah, I was, I wasn't doing drag. So I was still drinking at the time. Uh, so I was wrecked and she did the climb by Miley Cyrus. And I cried like a two-year-old, like I love, I'm a huge Brooklyn Heights fan. So for me, it was, it wasn't a huge disconnect. Uh, but maybe for the other girls, like I know some of the other girls were a lot closer with her, like her and Tainomi were hanging out almost daily, you know? So that was probably a weird disconnect. And so. Yeah. I mean, I guess it, like I said, for you, I guess it's almost like if you knew her, but you always felt like she had a different air about her and she always yeah. conducted herself like a judge rather or sort of, a, not above, but sort of higher than other people perhaps, then I guess it, I can see why maybe it would have softened the relationship so it didn't feel yeah. weird. 
but it also, it was also comforting because I remember during my panic attack, she was very much, um, she was extremely supportive and this is, they, they didn't air any of that, but she was like keeping eye contact with me. She was doing breathing exercises with me, but she wasn't doing it in a way where you could see it. She was just, it was very, very much just like a connection between us. She was like mouthing, are you okay? Like, is everything fine? So she was very supportive in that sense, um, which I really appreciate. Um, so, and I wish that they aired those things because Brooke, I feel like in the, the judges kind of got a lot of bad flack in the first season. And I felt like I really appreciated that from Brooklyn, but that's how the cookie crumbles, Diva. <laughs> no, I guess they can't show everything, unfortunately, but nice to know that, that, you know, you had comfort in that moment. Um, mm-hmm. We'll sort of touch on that a bit in a, in a, in a bit, but um, so coming back to the, the mini challenge. So the other thing that was quite sort of iconic about that episode for you was obviously the trip as well as, as wow. you so how did that kind of because it, it kind of seemed like I didn't quite understand how it how it happened they sort of showed it so quickly I couldn't quite tell what was going on there wasn't a very so it's just a black screen for you to leave and they only had a very small small runway for you to walk down and next to the runway was a, a three foot drop because this was on a raised stage so there wasn't anything that strictly said this is the way out. So I was kind of trying to find where the opening was to the curtain because there wasn't like an arrow. There wasn't anything. You just had to walk out of this curtain. And I stepped quite literally right next to the runway. So it's like the runway was here. My foot went here and I just went down and my care person caught me. So the person who actually puts the blanket around me at the end of the episode, Ali, she caught me um and helped me off and I actually had like a whole scrape down my leg and everything it hurt so bad I was like limping back into the room um but they obviously they didn't want to me to say anything or me to get mad about anything but after that I think they ended up um changing the way they brought the girls in and out because they didn't want another girl to fall but made for great tv <laughs> it, it did make the good tv i remember watching it i remember the noise i was like that sounded like that really hurt like it wasn't just it a little, you could really hear it bye oh I, I... yeah it did it, it really hurt it did not feel good at all um but i didn't want to be a bother i didn't want them to send me home for being that girl so i kept my mouth shut but if it was if i didn't think i was going home i i would have made a bit more noise. I made a bit of noise actually off camera for some other things that we'll get to, but yeah, I made, I didn't make as noise for that one. Fair enough. Well, you're being professional, obviously. So that's. Yeah. And I think that it's very, but I, I also think having boundaries is very important, especially in our industry. Um, and I feel like I put up, I just needed to maybe put up some boundaries about me eating. <laughs> No, I mean, yeah, like, they've got to make sure safety, it's, it's important. Like, it did, yeah. looking back on it, when I watched the bit where you fell, I was looking, you could see like a raised bit and then you fell down, like a, you know, you said there was a hole. And I was, even I was like, yeah, that's kind of looks like it's not very well marked. It just, I, I'm sure I it was not all. Thing. I'm so clumsy. Yeah. And I just went, do, 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 do. <laughs> um, and so, so anyway, after your epic fall, um, you find out that the first week's, uh, main challenge is the design challenge yes. and you each get those boxes and um, you are assigned was it uh, much music video prance yes uh, which yeah. is kind of like disco vibes and stuff like that um, what did you feel about the, the when you found out it was a design challenge 
Um, so actually, do you know what a Much Music video dance is? No. So Much Music is our MTV in Canada. Okay. Yeah. So what they used to do uh, when I was growing up, and I think they still have them now, but especially when I was growing up, is they would have a thing called a Much Music video dance. And it's where Much Music would come to your school or your area, put up gigantic screens, have a DJ come in, and they would basically just play music videos and you would dance to them. And that was like our school dance, but you would be watching the music video as it would happen. It would be sponsored by Much Music. So they were called Much Music Video Dances. So that's why mine was like a Much Music Video Prance. So it was meant to be very young, night on the town, kind of stuff like that. When I found out it was a sewing challenge, I was a little annoyed uh, because I was like, uh, why is the first thing I have to show something I make? Like, why does it have to be that? Um, but I was fine. I was actually feeling quite confident. I, my confidence only varied when the cameras cut because when we first got them, it was the end of the day. It had been, I think already like a 10 hour day. Like it was wild, 10 or 12 hours. Like it was an insane day. It was so late. Um, and basically what they said was, we're going to get you guys to open up all of these boxes and then we're cutting the cameras. And when you cut the cameras, you're not allowed to talk, right? You go on hard ice. So we couldn't ask for help. We couldn't chat about anything. We couldn't be like, hey, what do you think of this outfit? What do you think of this? Like a lot of the stuff that you see in design challenges now on the show was stuff that we were almost expecting. And we had to just sit silently and just sew quietly on our own for eight hours. Uh, I think six day one four, and like two the next day, right? So we went until like 1 a.m. But just in pure silence, quiet silence we were allowed to gently speak about some things that wouldn't have to do with the show but even then they would be like okay stop talking like we'll just put on music nobody talk we want all that stuff for camera so for me I was frustrated because like we had unpacked so I couldn't find my um what's it called uh patterns uh so I couldn't find my patterns which I needed um, I panicked and I didn't put out, uh, I didn't pour out my whole box and realized I had an entire bolt of blue fabric at the bottom of my box, which I just didn't notice. So it's almost like they threw me a lifeline that I just never took advantage of. Um, and then also, uh, I couldn't ask for help with my sewing machine because I do know how to sew if I have patterns and if I have, um, my sewing machine all set up, but there was a part of the sewing machine that I just was I'm forgetting how to put together and lemon knew how to do it. And all I needed, like all I needed was if I were to just have had the opportunity to be like, lemon, can you help me put together this sewing machine? I'm having some trouble. And I would have been fine. You know, if I would have just found that piece of blue fabric, asked lemon kind of had the cameras rolling for those things. I think it would have been a bit easier for me, but because we had to just sit in silence and make this, I felt like that was kind of like detrimental to my success, but also, you know, hindsight's 2022. So I did what I could with the means that I was given and, you know, I feel like I've made a pretty good career out of it. So. <laughs> yeah, no. And like I, I, when you started cutting up the CDs, I actually was thought that was a quite a cool idea. And like the, the final gown that you made, I think they sort of said that it was just a bit short and it was maybe compared to some other people like, you know, Jimbo or like Stasi who did these kind of quite like amazing outfits like quite you could tell they obviously were designers and they had done that a lot maybe yours looked quite simple but I actually thought yours looked quite nice like I thought the CD bit actually was quite cool 
oh, thanks. I mean, we all don't have to have good taste because it was ugly. Um, (laughs) I put a giant thick leather band right at my waist to make me look huge. It was awful. You know, it was so bad and it's okay. We can say it was bad. You know, it's been three years. We can all just be okay with it being bad. It, it was short, but I actually thought, I think there have been other outfits on design challenges that potentially were worse. So I thought compared to that, oh, I, thought it was- I don't think it was the worst thing on the runway ever, but it was bad. But there have been, there have been much worse. I wouldn't say it's the worst thing, uh, but yeah, it wasn't good. Um, and so, yeah, so obviously uh, you, when you, when you went on the stage and you were doing your runway, did you know at that point, like, I might be in the bottom because you'd seen everyone else's outfits or were you still quite confident that you could sell it? Um, I had a moment with Kine where right before I went on stage, I went, Kine, I don't feel really good about my outfit. I feel like I might, I might be in the bottom. And she went, if you stay, I'll tell you what I think about it. <laughs> She's such a <laughs> I love her so much. <laughs> I was like, oh, Kine, the cameras weren't even rolling. That wasn't even for camera. Oh, my God. (laughs) Um, But I think I I knew I wasn't going to do well, especially when I went out. They were quite quiet. Um, And then kind of when I'd seen what other people wore. But I think I thought I would be kind of okay because some people were much worse. Or at least in my mind, I was just like, not everyone here looks great. So maybe I'll just kind of get by by my teeth. Um, I knew I was in the bottom when it was me and Boa standing next to each other and I was counting who they liked and who they didn't like. And I knew they were going to like Rita. So I said, if they hate Boa, they love me. And if they love Boa, they hate me. And they started loving Boa. So I went, oh, it's over for me. It's done. They're going to roast me because you can tell it's always three and three. They like three. They don't like three. So it had already been kind of like the middle ground for them. So I was just like, oh, it's done for me, babes. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, so you obviously did, unfortunately, land at the bottom with Lemon. Who, yeah. so if you thought that you were going to be maybe safe, who was, who did you think potentially would be in the bottom then? Kine. Kine and who else? Me and Kine. Right. Okay. Yeah. Me and Kine, because they didn't like Kine and Kine and I had a moment uh, off screen where she looked at me and she said, they're going to put us in the bottom and you're going to send me home. And then she started to cry and I went, I am. (laughs) I was such a little, I was like, I know, babe, but you'll, it'll be a great show. Uh, And then when it was Lemon, they didn't show this either, but when it was Lemon, I said, (laughs) so that, that was going to be my question when you were in the bottom. So you did get in the bottom with Lemon. Did huh. you think that you were going to stay in the lip sync? No, I knew I was leaving. Why? Well, I mean, I fell. I got stuck. Um, I My outfit was worse than her. And I knew she had this dance background. I knew she was American. I knew she was... Lemon was... Do you know when you meet someone and you're like, oh, this is a star. This person is good. This person's really good at what they do. When you talk to Lemon, it's like, talking to someone who's reading off of a teleprompter. Like she's so fast. She's so quick. She knew exactly what to say next. She was funny. She was witty. I went, Oh, it's done for me. They're, they're not going to save me for anything. My leg could be falling off and I could have this incredible storyline and they would save lemon over that because she was, she's going to be such good TV for this. So I was just like, I'm out of here. 
I thought I had like small hope that there might be a double save because we're Canadian. We can't send few people. We can't send somebody home on episode one. I was kind of hoping for that, but I sort of had come to terms with going home. Uh, So my whole thing was just like, I just want to do what I do best before I leave. You know, I want to make sure that I put on a great show. So at least I'll get bookings from this, you know? So Kind of yeah, I mean, I guess it's difficult because we know what Lemon's done that like we saw her progression on the show and then she's been on UK versus the world. So and she's become very well known. So it's we can see obviously that she's a star, but it's difficult because we didn't hadn't seen that much from you. But I actually think when I rewatched the lip sync, I actually think it was really close. I couldn't I obviously I know now who did wit, who won the lip sync, but when I rewatched it, I was like, actually, yeah, they kept showing you quite a lot. And then when Lemon did a few splits and tricks, they showed her. But I actually thought it was a really close lip sync. I don't think it was sort of really obvious that she was staying over you. I think you actually did a really good job. I appreciate that. And I and I think I did a good job too, but I I, I knew production-wise, she had more to give than I did. I gave everything away. I talked about my sobriety. I had a bunch of quippy moments. They had nothing more for me. What else were they going to take from me? Right. And a lot of the girls in Toronto thought like, well, what about the storyline between you and I? What about this between you and I? And it's just like, they don't care about that. They don't care about the stuff that happens in the bars. They don't care about the stuff that happens behind the scenes because they don't know about it. They're trying to create a TV show with the cast of girls that are there so it's not about my prior relationships with any of these girls. It's about how those relationships are developing on the TV show and how they're going to be related to audience. Because it's not, because a lot of the times, a lot of that stuff feels like an inside joke. And I think that's what was such magic about season one is that it didn't feel like an inside joke. It felt like everyone kind of was in on whatever was happening on the screen when I feel like sometimes some things on Drag Race, especially like, like remember with Coco and Alyssa, they had all that drama but no one really knew what it was. They just knew that the Coco and Coco and Alyssa hated each other. I feel like a lot of the girls were holding on to like that idea where they were like, but we used to fight a lot. It's just like, yeah, nobody knows about that though. Who cares? You know? <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's, that's very down to earth of you and very sort of like, you've got a very good um, attitude towards, it, I think that you realize okay. that it's a TV show and everything, probably because you have background in that. So I think, mm-hmm. um, so sort of going back a little bit. So, um, on the actual main stage, when they were doing, you talked about the fact they were doing the critiques with Boa and you sort of realized they liked her, so they must not like you, sort of your outfit. Um, obviously, you, we kind of touched on this before, you did um, sort of have a bit of a panic attack on stage. So mm-hmm. I was just wondering if you could kind of talk about what actually happened, because it all happened quite quickly. We never really saw yeah. what actually happened uh, necessarily. Are you okay? I just feel a little bit of a panic attack coming on. Okay, don't, don't, don't panic. Um, so my anxieties are rooted in death and dying. So when I have a panic attack, it's because my mind is telling me that I'm in a state of emergency and it's like that I'm going to die. Like I feel like in my mind that I truly believe that something's happening, I'm in danger and it's going to be endangering my life. Obviously those things are wrong and I need to de-escalate them and I do. But what happened was... Um, I was in pain because drag is painful. Uh, I was cold because it was a uh, solar vortex uh, where we were at. And they, I actually found out later that they were doing an unloading of a piece of set. So there was doors open. Uh, so we were basically outside uh, because all of the cold air from outside was coming in onto the main stage. So I was absolutely frigid cold. And I was wearing the least amount of clothing of 
I would say everyone in the room, like our producers had winter coats on and I was in a bikini, like guys, I'm cold. Um, so I'm cold. I'm uh, exhausted. I, I think I only slept like three hours the night before because I was so nervous. And then for lunch, it was only like thick, greasy Chinese food. And I knew what I was wearing. And I had such little body confidence that I didn't want to be bloated. So I didn't eat lunch. So I hadn't eaten. I'm cold. I'm tired. Right. So all of these things are kind of going wrong in my body. I've got, you know, pins in my head, stabbing me, my feet hurt. I'm cold, like all these things. And I just needed one thing to set me off the edge. Like I knew it, it was just, I was kind of teetering. And um, when I knew they weren't going to like me, I was like, maybe they just won't like me and I'll just, it'll, it'll be soft and we'll move on. But um, they were ruthless and a lot of it didn't get aired. Like a lot didn't get aired. There was a lot of really hurtful things that were said about my body, like just my composition of and stuff and and seeing now like a lot of them who have come out with things like maybe it was something said through an earpiece or something but there were some unkind things said uh I don't want anything to come over and like to put hate on anyone because a lot of people from the show have you know they are nice people and it is just a tv show and it has been three years but there was some things that were said that weren't you know didn't make me feel the best so from there, it kind of just pushed me over the edge. Then it started like, I started to feel dizzy. Uh, I started to sort of like feel like I was going to faint. The blood had left my face. The blood had left my head. And I was like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to faint. Like, that's where this is going. I was just like, the panic attack has gotten to the point where now I'm going to fall over because my body just needs to shut down. Um, so it was when Stacy was kind of trying to, I remember Stacy was asking me, what's in your box? What's this? What is this? I started to just see like three of her, like it's everything started to get blurry and I started uh, cold sweating and everything. And that's when it started to happen. So I knew from myself boundary queen, I had to put a boundary down and I had to say, Nope, I'm having a panic attack and I'm just going to go through with this right now. And I'm going to do it. And I thought they were going to cut the cameras because that's what I thought you would do if someone was in a state where they were, you know, like that, but they didn't. Uh, that's fine. <laughs> so I, um, I just went through it and I knew I just need to go through this moment right now. I need to have some water. I need to deescalate. Um, and then I need to move on. Um, and I did, and I did do that. And they were kind enough to allow me to, to go through that and to warm me up a little bit. Cause another thing you didn't see because they didn't air it was I yelled, I'm so f-ing cold. Like I was just like, I, I just had to let them know I'm freezing. Um, so they wrapped me up in a blanket, let me drink some water, calm down. And then I was able to finish the critique, but it did. I feel like the critique did influence or my, my panic attack did then influence the rest of the critique because it went from you're so ugly. This is horrible to, I actually kind of like it. It's not that bad. And I was like, let's not do this. And I even said um, to, um, not Brooklyn, but the, who was the guest judge again? What was her name? Uh, Alicia Kapfer. Alicia I said to Alicia, I was like, babe, we don't have to do this. You can tell me it's ugly. I've had my moment. I'm fine now. You can say it's, you can say it's ugly. And she went, no, 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 I promise it's good. And I was just like, okay, then we're, then I'm done. Like, we're fine. Like, we don't have to do this then. Like, let's move on. <laughs> yeah. Then, that, I mean, it's very, uh, you're very, very self-aware. Cause like, yeah, I- I kind of, I couldn't tell because I don't really know. I knew of, um, I think that's how you pronounce him, Alicia, I think, or Elisa, whatever it is. I knew her, you know, she's a famous actress and she was really sweet. And I actually thought, like I said, I thought your outfit was actually quite 
cute. I mean, maybe not compared to some of the other people's, but it was certainly mm-hmm. not the worst I've ever seen. Um, but the bit that I thought was quite funny and I thought it showed that you had sort of quite strength of character was she sort of said, oh, you, you haven't heard my critique and you sort of went, oh, I'll be there in a minute. Just let my, the blood go to my head. And then you sort of said, okay, and you flung off the blanket. And I thought it was such like a kind of cool moment of you being like, right, done, let's move yeah. on. You didn't get to hear my critiques. Oh no, baby, I'm gonna I'm gonna be here for your critique as soon as that blood rushes back to my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> We're good. Let's do this. Yeah. That's very much me when I come out of one of those. I'm like, okay, it's over. No one talk about it. <laughs> no, I mean it was good. And I'm glad you sort of got came out of it and everything. So it was it would be it was nice to see a genuine moment of not everyone is going to be okay being critiqued. Not everyone always feels great. Some people mm. have anxiety or have panic attacks, like and that's totally fine. And you're being judged on your talent and your your drag in front of the world and people are filming mm-hmm. this. I, I can only imagine what that must feel like. Yeah. And especially I'm so I'm a Virgo. I'm very controlling. I'm very controlling of my aesthetic. I'm very controlling of what I look like. I'm very controlling about how I'm presented to the world. So to have so little control, I didn't like, you know, I didn't like that. I was just like, I don't always look like this. I look incredible. I look beautiful when I walk out. So when I had to walk out in something so like that, I didn't like that they had to literally super glue back onto me because it snapped off um, that I was just like, no, 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 no. I don't like this. So I think there was a lot of factors that kind of went into it. You know, it's, it's, I can totally understand. Um, and we kind of, you kind of touched a little bit on this earlier, but one, one thing that was quite, um, for season one, there was a lot of criticism that the judges were very harsh in their critiques. And you kind of said earlier that a lot didn't get aired and they said some nasty things about your body and everything, which is like unacceptable. What, what were your thoughts on the judging? Did you agree that they were too harsh? Um, I think a lot gets left on the cutting room floor. And while some things were said to me that were a bit raunchy, um, there were some things that were quite kind that were said to a lot of other people that didn't make it. So I think that while they were a little harsh, um, at points, um, I feel like there was a lot, I I feel like there was a direction with the editing where they wanted them to look harsh because there was a lot of moments where like there was explanations of why they were saying things that were left out. And there was a lot of like nice things that they had said that were left out. And a lot of just the kind of, kind of harder things, harsher things were left in. So I think, yeah, maybe they were a little rough around the edges and they could have softened a little bit. But I also think it's not just one person. And also remember, this isn't someone speaking. There's also a microphone in their ear. So I think we have to keep consideration that there isn't always just one person saying what they think. They may have somebody saying like, hey, I want you to say this, right? Because again, it's a TV show. And I think that's what a lot of people forget sometimes is that there isn't just one person making these decisions. There isn't just one person doing these things. It is a team of people. It is a team of writers that are creating these situations on the fly, in the moment to create good TV. So while I think, yeah, the judges were a bit harsh, I don't think it's to be put on the three of them. I think it needs to be put on more of a, an aspect of the whole show, you know? Yeah, that's it's a good point. I've, I remember I, I watched an interview because obviously there was a lot of backlash against particularly Jeffrey, um, yeah. which I thought was like obviously quite unfair and like people were being like 
racist and which is just obviously unacceptable um but he did a he did an interview and he and he was saying that I had things fed through through an earpiece and I thought that was really interesting that a lot of people probably don't know that that they do that for the critiques as well as just the runway walks and everything that they're kind of told what to say and it kind of shouldn't be surprising but it also kind of is yeah like do you really think some of them are that witty where they're picking up a lot of those jokes right on the fly no there's writers back there right there's producers back there and they're all creating those moments on the fly for the television show and i think a lot of people forget that and a lot of people will jump right to someone's throat and they're just the face you know so it's tv guys <laughs> yeah, and i think obviously the judge i think if you watch season two and three i think they have softened it so maybe i think they've learn from season one i think maybe they've they it seems softer i think in my opinion than season one season three i think they finally found a good middle ground because season two i felt like they were almost like too scared to be a little mean like they were just so nice and i was just like oh god say something <laughs> but season three i feel like they kind of found their their kind of flow no it, it makes sense every tv show is going to have like teething issues aren't they when it's the first season so mm-hmm. um so obviously yeah unfortunately you you got eliminated after your lip sync even though I thought you did a really good job um what did that feel like then being the Canadian pork chop is what they said I hate it <laughs> I just hate the name Canadian pork chop I remember even when she said it I rolled my eyes I went ew I hate that <laughs> um it's just the name I think is gross but um it was fine. I mean, I was devastated in the moment. I was very upset. I felt like my whole world was coming down around me. I thought my career was over. I felt like I've wasted m- money because I borrowed a lot of money. I felt like I wasted people's money. I felt like I wasted people's time. I felt like I, you know, failed and all these things. I, I, my career I thought was over. So that all happens in the first moment. M- well, month really. It took me a long time to kind of bounce back. Uh, and it took me a few months to kind of like get my groove back with performing. And then once the show actually premiered, it took me a long time to kind of get my groove back from seeing it again. Cause it re-traumatizes you. Um, but yeah, now I feel better now, three years later, you know, I feel a lot better, but the, uh, at the time it was rough. No, I can totally understand. So I'm, I'm glad you've kind of come to a good place about it. Um, so would you say then, although you left first, do you think that Canada's drag or just drag race in general has changed your life and your career? Yeah. I mean, I had said to my husband before I left, I either want to go first, fifth or win. Um, and I feel like I manifested that for Priyanka and Lemon. I like gave them my, my energy for fifth and winner. I'm just saying, uh, <laughs> but because everybody remembers those people, right? Everybody remembers the girl who goes home first you know, because it's a big splash. It makes a big thing. Everybody watches episode one. If they don't watch the rest of the season, they usually watch episode one. Uh, So I was fine with that. And then fifth place is usually a fan favorite. Like it tends to be where a fan favorite sits. So I was just like, Ooh, that would be good. And if you win, you get a hundred thousand dollars tax free. So I was just like, Ooh, that would be nice too. Um, So I feel like while it does suck in the moment, it does, it has changed my life. I became a very big um, advocate again for sobriety, especially in queer spaces. I've, I've been able to do um talks with like um nurses and therapists and mental health specialists i've been able to work professionally in those industries telling them my story and telling them um how how these things are actually important to to us and how you can help us and all these things so that's been really cool i've been able to do incredible 
campaigns. I've been able to work with like Neutrogena and um, a Crest and a lot of really cool people who I was working with before, but now I'm able to work with on another level. Um, I've ventured into to more things that feel more true to who I am as a person rather than who I felt I needed to be for, you know, Toronto, because Toronto, you're just like a glorified go-go dancer. Now it feels like I'm actually creating art that I love. So I feel like Drag Race has changed my life and I, I wouldn't change anything about it. No, that's very, like what you said about being first, fifth or winner, that's actually really true. People always remember the first one. Fifth one is kind of the middle. So usually that's enough time for people to like you. Um, yeah. And then the winner obviously gets the money and the crown. So um, one thing actually I wanted to ask about, um, we kind of touched on this earlier, it kind of reminded me was um, in Untucked of that episode, the um, kind was mm-hmm. kind of, I think portrayed as like the quote unquote villain of that episode or, or that mm-hmm. particular situation. How did that feel for you then almost? Cause you must've known you were in the bottom and she was kind of sealing the spotlight a bit. Was that genuinely what it was like and what's your relationship like with her and everything? Did you know her before and what did that feel like? I mean, have you ever had an anxiety attack? Have you ever had a panic attack? No. So what happens after that is you hit such a wave of exhaustion that you could fall asleep. So in that moment, I was kind of just coming off of it, like the crying and everything. So I was so tired. Like I was so unbelievably exhausted that I almost didn't care. Um, Like I almost was just like, shut the up. I do not care. Shut up. I don't care if you feel like you're in the top. I don't feel like if you're in the bottom, I don't care if you're being rude to Boa, shut the fuck up. I think I had said a couple things in the untucked about like, shut up, like you're being whiny, like nobody cares, but they didn't put that in obviously. Um, and I was just the like frail, weak, sad girl. <laughs> so no one paid attention. Uh, but they also did some weird editing with that. It, they trying to show that Starzy was yelling at somebody else, but Starzy was just yelling into the abyss on how she wasn't in the top. It means absolutely nothing if you don't have character on that stage. Um, and she felt like she needed to be, but they made it kind of look like she was yelling at Kine. Um, And then also... Yeah, everyone I think was a little annoyed with Kine, but Kine, I had worked with Kine a lot before and she always was a little kind of like weird. Like you could tell like she wasn't in drag spaces a lot. So when she was in drag spaces, she kind of acted how she felt like she needed to act. Like she would be like, this is where you're acting and this is where you do something. Like it felt very like that. And for me, it was always very harmless because I was just like, oh, she's just new to these spaces, you know, whatever. I'm not, it's not a big deal. She means well. But when we were on Drag Race, it's like it was on steroids because she was just like, oh, well now the cameras are on. I'm going to be like, you know, I'm going to be, this is my moment, but it kind of came off as like sort of rude. And I think she realized that and she really ran with it. And now she's like so famous on TikTok with all of her math stuff. So I love Kine. I think Kine's a great person. I think she's jokes. I think she's fun. If I were to ever run into her, I have nothing but nice things to say to her. I have nothing but love for the girl. So things change when you're in the Thunderdome, you know, you, sometimes you act like a and that's fine. No, it, it's true. And I think, like you said, she's now gone like with, like, with the maths and everything. It's sort of, yeah, mm-hmm. I think she's become really famous and everything. Um, oh, yeah. Was there anyone on set that you didn't really get on with? No, no. I wasn't really there long enough for me to hate anybody. Um, I found, uh, no, everyone was really nice. Alona talked a lot, uh, but that's it. <laughs> I was just like, girl just wants her camera time, but... She she talked a lot, um, uh, but that's about it. There was some stories that were like kind of 
offside that a lot of us were a little uncomfortable with for, by a certain person that didn't make it to camera because I think it would have painted them in a very poor light, uh, which I'm not going to say who because that would be bad. But there was some kind of things that were said off camera or on camera that were like, ooh, that's not good. And we had to educate them and then they kind of realized it and moved on. And I just, but I think if they would have aired that, it would have not been great. So I'm happy that it didn't come to camera. Right. I'm sure there's yeah. a lot that happens. And especially, I think sometimes you you hear about things that happen, especially they edit sometimes, especially if it's someone who's like a fan favorite or someone who goes quite far in the competition. They edit yeah. to sort of, otherwise it would, people would dislike that person. Yeah, and they want to keep the, the love towards them. They don't want to have a very polarizing opinion about them. While I think some of the um, conversation that happened was important, there was, um, there was it was a journey getting there. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, well, I mean, you, you had a great run on the show, even though you were only there for one episode. I think you were quite iconic in that you had some really, like, the getting stuck in the, the, the tights, the falling over, and also the panic attack. Even though they weren't necessarily good things for you, like, they must have been uncomfortable, I think it created, like, mem- you were memorable because of it. And I think in some ways that's probably good for your career. So Great. Yeah. No complaints, babe. I'm feeling good. Um, <laughs> So the name of my channel is Drag Tea Served. So I was wondering if you could serve me some drag tea and maybe tell me something that happened off camera or something that you wish had been shown that didn't get shown. Oh my God, I feel like I've been doing that this whole time. <laughs> uh, I feel like I've, I've just shattered my NDA. Um, oh my God, what happened off camera? Did me and Priyanka kissing make it to camera? Did you see that? I don't think so. Oh, um, me and Priyanka, when I walked in after the... This is stupid, but... When I walked in after the the challenge, the photo shoot challenge, and Priyanka was already out of drag, I was still in drag. She went juice, and I was like pre, and then we kissed, like we shared like a little peck, and then we just moved on. And then the whole next day, when we were both in our confessionals, they were like, "So you and Priyanka kissed? Can you tell us more about that?" And I was like, "You don't kiss your friends? Is that not a normal thing?" <laughs> like I was confused. And then even Priyanka was just like, "Did they ask you about us kissing?" And I was like, "Yeah." Yeah, that was weird, right? And she was like, yeah, I think they were trying to make us look like we had a showman. And I was like, ew. <laughs> I guess I'll try and figure out any angle they can. And I guess yeah. it kind of, in some ways it kind of makes sense because I think you talked about how your like sensuality is very much part of your brand and Priyanka's like a massive flirt. So I think that kind of- Yeah, they were trying to find me like Priyanka flirting with all the girls on cast, I guess. But yeah, no, we just had a little kiss. We just had a little kiss. <laughs> No, I don't think that got shown. That's interesting that they, to, to hear that and then they tried to push that storyline. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's fun. I'm trying to think if there was anything else. Oh, there was one thing. Um, after my panic attack, I had my blanket on and we were about to walk back into the workroom. And they said, Juice, you have to take the blanket off for continuity. You weren't wearing a blanket walking off stage. You have to put the blanket on or you have to take the blanket off. So you, it looks like you just walked off stage. And I went, no. And they were like, Juice and we it like held us up for a while because I was like, no, I'm cold. I just had a panic attack. I'm going through it. I can't stop crying. I'm wearing my blanket and I'm freezing. You warm this place up and I'll take the blanket off. And they were like, we know you're really cold. We're really sorry about what's happening with you today. But and I was like, no, (laughs) so mean. And then we came to a compromise where I could walk in and I could be the first to walk in and then someone could put the blanket on me right away. And I said, fine, but I'm not taking the blankets off until you say action. (laughs) We're like, okay, God, I was a nightmare. Maybe that's why they sent me home. (laughs) Well, that 
That's actually kind of an interesting question. I was going to say, do you think that when people, not you specifically, but do you think when people are not complying with what they want, whether it's justified or not, because I think in your case, having the blanket was actually justifiable, but do you think that does make a, do you think they think, oh, well, we're going to get rid of this person because they're being annoying? I don't know. I don't think so. I'm actually having the, our director uh, or like our main producer and director and one of our casting people over for lunch on Tuesday. So maybe I'll ask them then if they're coming over. I'm going to be like, did you send me home? Cause that was difficult. <laughs> that, totally I'm going to have them in my, I'm going to have them in my house so they can't go anywhere. <laughs> well, that's fun. Well, it sounds like at least you're kind of friends with the production people. So I guess that's yeah. one of friends. With no, I love them. They're all sweet guys. And it's again, it's a TV show and it's been so long. Who cares? You know, so we care. <laughs> nah, we care. We want to know. Oh my God, do you want to know another thing that happened at the finale? Um, we were all on hard ice where you're not allowed to talk. And I hadn't seen anybody for the month. I've been alone because I'm not allowed to see my friends. And I'm in my gown and I'm catching up with everybody. I'm talking with everybody. I'm asking the things about the show. And they went up to me and they said, Juice, we we can't ask you again to hard ice you have to stop talking. You have to stop asking these questions. And I looked at them dead in their eyes and I went, what the f are you going to do? Send me home. I don't care. I'll talk as much as I want. <laughs> and they were like, please, please, God, just shut up. And I went, no, I kept talking. <laughs> I was a nightmare. I was a nightmare. I was so off. <laughs> well, that's interesting. I mean, it's interesting to hear that. So this was at the finale, like when they were, at the actual table when they brought us all back sorry when they brought us all back and we were like hiding in a room because the girls didn't know we were there right yeah Um, well I mean interesting to hear that sort of thing but I suppose yeah after a while you probably just don't care because what they're going to do you've already been eliminated (laughs) yeah what are you going to do send me home not give me a hundred thousand dollars I think I said what are you going to do send me home first (laughs) they were like oh she's got us Yeah, well, uh, I mean, it's interesting, and I guess uh, you know, hopefully, it didn't sort of wreck your chances to go on no. again if you want to. I suppose. I mean, Diva, even if it did, I like, girl, if that's going to be what stops them from putting me on, then that's their loss. And it's also a brand new production uh, team. They've they've wiped everybody clean, and there's a brand new people. Season two was brand new. wasn't There wasn't a lot of people who stayed from season one, so season two and season three were brand new people. Fair enough. No, that's interesting to hear. Um, just touching on something, there was something earlier you said that there were a few moments where you put up boundaries or something and you said, oh, we'll get to it later. Was there anything else that you wanted to add about that? I think you said after your fall, there were other moments where you spoke up, but they didn't show it or something. Yeah, the the blanket, I put up a boundary, you know, the talking, I put up a boundary. I said, no, I'm not listening to you. I'm talking. I've been alone for a month, you know? So there was a few moments where I just, oh, oh my God, no, there was this one. I remember now uh, it was shaving. And they said, because we're a franchise, they said, when you get the franchise, you realize there's a lot of different things. And one of the challenges of the drag race workroom is there's no running water. So there's nowhere for you to shave. And you can't all go to the bathroom together to shave. So you have to figure out shaving. So they brought us all hot water bowls to shave our faces before we got ready. And they had a share and I shaved and I was one of the first people in the bowl and I shaved and I cut myself and I put my razor back inside the bowl and there was blood in it. And I looked at them and I said, this is stupid. There's blood in this bowl. My blood is in this bowl and you want every other girl to now use this bowl because I have blood in it now. How are you going to fix this? And then they were like, 
yeah um okay well uh and well uh uh, 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 and then they left and I finished my shaving and I don't know what they did but I told the other girls I was like you can't use this bowl I've literally bled in it like use it if you want but like it's not sanitary and they were like a lot of them were like yeah like this is up like let us go to a bathroom you know so there was those kind of moments where again season one working out the kinks they had to figure those things out (laughs) no it's interesting to hear about those sorts of things and sort of behind the scenes and that's obviously what my channel is about so (laughs) the tea diva watch i'm gonna see a tea they didn't have let them have running water says juice box I got a call from the producer being like, what the f- juice? <laughs> I, I think other people, not about Canon necessarily, but I've heard that before from lots of people that like things like that, they don't have running water or there's things that, like that that should be obvious, but they're not. Right. So when they say these girls are like, your beard showing through, I would have been like, let me shave then. <laughs> um, uh. Well, so um, I'd love to go on to some subscriber questions. Sure. Um, I had lots of questions from people about you. Um. There were quite a lot of questions that weren't really questions. Um, they were basically statements, basically a lot of thirsty comments. Yeah. Basically saying, are you single and you're hot? <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, appreciate that. Not single. I do have a husband. Uh, we've been together for 18 years. Uh, but I appreciate the love and affection and the attention. Um, but yes, no, not single. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so someone, the first actual question is, uh, what's your favorite kind of juice box? I'm sorry. That's always my answer. <laughs> Anytime someone asks that, I'm like, just to see what happens. Uh, but I don't know. We'll say lemonade or fruit punch. Um, we'll give that answer. <laughs> I'm going to have to cut all of that. I'm going to have to cut the word out. So if anyone wants to figure out what just word bleep that it. was. <laughs> just bleep it. Do a little beep. <laughs> I'll bleep it and you can try and guess what word Juicebox was saying. <laughs> Sorry. Um, that's okay. Um, what's your biggest accomplishment after Drag Race was another question. Um, what was my biggest accomplishment after Drag Race? I think it was just building a career. I feel like I was very much... Um, my own biggest cheerleader when it came to building my career. And I feel like if I was a different person, I wouldn't be where I am today with, if it wasn't for me just, you know, pulling up my bootstraps and saying, I'm not going to be known as just the sad girl with anxiety who got sent home first on Canada's drag race. That's not going to be my legacy. That's not going to be my career. So I think my biggest achievement is just the career I've been able to build. I've surrounded myself with an incredible team of people who are very much on my side, who are very much in my corner, who have the same values and the same idea of where I want to be and how they can help me and how we can help each other. Um, And I'm really proud of myself for that because I feel like if I kind of just like laid back and went back to working in the bars, the, uh, the career that I have today, you know, I feel like I really worked hard and I, and I sometimes don't give myself the props that I think I deserve, but yeah, I'm going to be a little cocky for a minute. Worked my ass Do off. it. Do it. No, I mean, <laughs> you have built a career and it's really impressive. And like, you've got on drivers, which is already such an achievement. So many people applied that I'm sure you felt would have got on over you, but they didn't. So they obviously liked something about you. Mm-hmm. They said that one's hot and looks like she scares easy. Let's get that one. <laughs> well, let's hope it was just the first bit, not the second. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
um this another question was and they said this person said they loved yours and um cynthia kisses who was on season two your podcast semi-qualified queens and they said um what made you decide to start the podcast and how has the reception been from fans i mean there was a lot of, it's actually my background on my on my tv or my computer you just see us right there ah. so funny. Uh, but i think uh, when it came to semi-qualified queens cynthia and i were very similar for years we were told by brat pack like the kendall and gia that we are very similar in our aesthetic in the way that we spoke in our comedy they were like you two are the exact same person so it wasn't until we met that we kind of were like oh yeah i kind of get it and i was complimented because she's so beautiful that i was just like oh my god she, they think that me and her oh my god wow okay um and then it wasn't until she got on the show that I think we got a little closer. Once she got on the show, we were able to do a gig together and we were able to chat a lot. And I was like, oh, I really like this girl. Like, she's really fun. We really vibe. We really get each other. Um, and then she got on the show and she was obviously very busy and things were happening. I was busy and doing my thing and things were happening. And then kind of once her season ended, my season had now been over for two years um, and they were starting to cast for season three. She was sort of, I think, looking for other projects to sort of build herself as a brand and build out kind of other means of kind of staying relevant and all of those things. And she had contacted me because of a um, manager that we now share. We didn't share a manager at the time, but we now share a manager was like, you two need to start a podcast together. I need to see it. I would love to hear you two just chat. You have great chemistry. I, I want to see it. And it wasn't until we did a gig together in Calgary that we were like, and then we were on the mic together that we were like, oh, we could do this we kind of have a good rapport. We have a good sense of each other. I feel like we could kind of make this happen and it's been great. I mean, it's definitely a slow build. We are two Canadians uh, in a very oversaturated market, but we have a really nice dedicated amount of listeners, which is great. Um, it's slowly building. We have lots of plans for semi-qualified Queens in 2023, which we're really happy about. Um, and we're building on a lot of those things and it's just kind of become another facet and another outlet of our careers. You know, we just now have a podcast along with our live shows and me with my Twitch and Cynthia with, um, with her, with Brat Pack and her performances. So it's just become just one more thing that we can add to our roster. Yeah, no, that's an interesting point that you made about, it's like another feather in your cap or whatever they say. It's another it's another um, stream of income that kind of, we kind of touched on this. I, I mentioned it earlier, but um, we haven't talked about your Twitch. Um, yeah. So I'll be honest, I don't really play video games. So I know very little about Twitch. I Googled it earlier and sort of read about it. But if you can kind of explain maybe to other people who don't know what it is, like how is that? Because I think that's part of, a big part of your um, income, right? I would assume. No, no, oh, I don't think it's like a hobby. No, I, not even a hobby. I think I don't, I, I could make a ton of money from it if I really wanted, but I'm at the point now where I'm making, I'm making all the money I need for my live shows. So Twitch for me is just um, kind of like my, my happy escape, you know? So I'll explain kind of what it is. Twitch is a live streaming platform. It is not simply dedicated to video games. Video games is a large portion of it, but Twitch is just for live streaming. So say if you love cooking, they have people who are just live streaming cooking. They have people who are just live streaming, just chatting. I love a just chatting stream, you know, where I just sit and talk to people. I love it. Um, they have interviews. They have, they have games. They have esports. They have, um, they have some, sometimes it's literally, I've watched people just literally live stream eggs being hatched. It is just a platform where people can live stream and 
have people subscribe. They have benefits for their subscribers. They have different things that they do. What I do in my Twitch channel is I chat a lot. I, I chat a lot, a lot, a lot because they, they don't come to see how good I am at video games because I'm not. I'm not good at video games. I enjoy video games. I love video games. I have a lot of fun playing them, but they come for me. If I said, hey guys, guess what? All week long, all we're going to do is chat. Monday to Friday, nine till six, every day, come on in and we'll just chat. I'd be fine. They would be, I would be happy. They would be happy. It would be great, right? But I play video games because I like to and it helps fill the time and it helps fill kind of the, the empty space. But the way I kind of explain it to some people, what Twitch is, is it's like OnlyFans. Um, but I don't have to get naked, you know, people, people subscribe and they have benefits with those subscriptions. And if they don't want to subscribe, they can just watch, you know, and they can still chat, but they don't get those like extra benefits with the subscription. Um, but it's fun. It's my little corner of the internet. I have an incredible little community I've, I've created. Um, I've had a lot of people being like, I wouldn't have met these friends that are now lifelong friends without your Twitch community. I wouldn't have been able to have met these people. I wouldn't have been able to discover these things about myself without your community. So I appreciate that. So while I don't have the most viewers in the world and while I don't have a partner badge, which is basically like a verification badge. And while I, uh, I'm not like on all these big streamers radars, I have my own space on Twitch that works for me. And then it's just like a happy little space. And that's there for me whenever I need it. If I say, if I were to break my leg, and I can't perform, right? Then Twitch becomes the space that I can still make money. I can still create. I can still do things rather than having to perform live, right? If the world shuts down again, I have Twitch. So it's it, it's a nice little space and it's got a great community. So if you ever want to fall into a little Twitch hole, I'm sure you could find something that you like. Yeah, I Googled it because I'd, I'd heard of it, but I'll be honest, I didn't really know. And I know it's it said that it was a live streaming platform that's predominantly for gaming, but not like you said, other things as well. I've never personally yeah. gone on it, so I don't know. But Yeah. Even if you were to wanted to do these interviews live, you could do a Twitch channel interviews. You would just need to work out the tech part of it. But a lot of people just do that where they do like they do interviews on Twitch. I've done some and they're super fun. Yeah. And people can like chat, I assume, and ask questions. Yeah. Or whatever. yeah, they have the chat on the side and you as the moderator would watch the chat, but then you would have moderators in there like getting rid of like spam and things. And it's a whole nother kind of funky world, but I love it. It's it's one of my favorite things to do. I get really excited to, to go online. Well, that's sweet. Yeah, I, I've done YouTube live once. So I, I guess it's similar. similar. It's very similar, very similar. A lot of people who leave Twitch go to YouTube. Well, that's cool. No, I, I wasn't sure if that was kind of your a big part of your income. So I know people do it, but it's nice to hear that you're earning enough from your live shows. Yeah, I earn more than enough from my live shows. I And I work on weekends. So Monday to Friday, I'm able to just, I'm basically a glorified housewife. I clean the house. I walk my dog. I work out and I stream on Twitch. It's great. And then on the weekends, I travel to a different city. I work, uh, I do my thing and then I come home. Well, that sounds like a nice life. <laughs> I mean, not to say that I manifested this, but before I went on Drag Race, I did say I could never be that person who spends their entire year touring. I want to be a person where on the weekends I work and during the week I'm home with my husband. And that's the life I have. I've been given that life. I've been given, I've been blessed with this incredible career where I'm able to do that. So I'm happy. Well, I'm glad you're happy. That's obviously what we want. Um, mm. And then one other question um, was, we kind of touched on this briefly earlier, was Someone asked if you ever came back for an All-Star. So I guess it's two parts. Would you come back for an All-Stars? And if you did, 
if, if it was an all-stars versus the world, which contestants would you want to compete against? Oh God, which contestants? Oh, I've never- And if you would actually somebody... come back for an all-stars yes or no kind of thing. I would heavily consider it, um, but I don't know if, I don't know if it would be an immediate yes. Everybody around me says I should say yes, but something about um, payoff versus input for me is a big thing. It's like, yeah, I'm going to go back on, but how much is that going to help my career? You know, what will it change about where I am? And it's just like, it will or it will not, you know, how much money am I going to put into this and will it be worth it? Because I'm not someone who just can do things willy nilly. Like I put in a lot of money into making myself look good. So it would be an expensive endeavor. So I'm not too sure, but I'm not saying no. I'm I'm saying maybe. I'm saying let's see where I am in my life when they give me the call, if they were to even give me the call. I have a feeling the production in Canada hates me. So I don't think they would give me a call, but we'll see. Um <clears throat> uh, but who would I want? I would want it to be Australia. Um, I would love to do a versus Australia. I think that would just be wild. And who would I want to be there? Oh my god. Okay. I would want Hannah Conta. There's nine. It's nine, right? Okay, we'll just say nine. So I'm going to, I'm just going to go off the top of my head. I would want Hannah Conda because I think she is just so fun. Um, I would want, ooh. Uh, now I'm going to say this just because I think it would be good TV, but I would simply evaporate if they were to walk there in because I knew I would just be annihilated by this people. But I would want Tace. I think Tace would be great to walk in with. Um, ooh, who else? Um, uh who I want somebody from the American season. Candy. I would love to watch to see Candy walk in. I'm a big fan of Candy Muse. Um oh my god, there's so many people. There's so many drag races. Uh, <laughs> who am I a big fan of? It would be nice to see Rome there because she's Holland and she was first out. Uh so that would be fun. Um, who was the really hot one in Holland? Uh with the hairy chest. Oh, Sedergine? Yeah, Sedergine, just because she's hot. Uh, <laughs> uh, who else? Cynthia, I think it would be fun to, to compete with Cynthia. I think it would be nice to have somebody like Cynthia there. Um, and then, ooh, let's just say one more person for fun. Um, ooh, ooh, I tweeted this the other day, and I would simply pass away if Carmen Farala and Envy Peru were to walk in. Two winners that would just like, I would, I would be like, goodbye, I'm leaving. Um, if they were to come in, I feel like that would be really cool. So let's say them. I've created a cast. <laughs> that's a great cast. Like, and also that's yeah. really very international because a lot of them, a lot of the people you mentioned aren't from the English speaking se uh, the season. So yeah. that's really- Ooh, Marina, Marina from Philippines. She's really cool. Okay. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> um so they, that, that's the cast let's hope let's manifest that um, <laughs> let's manifest it me, me going home again first my keeping on brand <laughs> and then one final question someone asked which i thought was kind of an interesting question someone said have you ever have anyone ever thought that you're related to pandora box all the time all all the time and it's my fault and i wish i could change my name um but when I created my drag persona and stuff, I didn't even think I would ever be doing drag professionally. I always thought it would just be me being hot. And then it got to the point where I was so deep into it that I was just like, F 
I can't change this now. And then it was the point where th- then I was like, but I'll fine. I'll never be on Drag Race and I'll be super famous. It's fine. Then I got on Drag Race and I was like, <laughs> so I feel like I should have changed it when I got on Drag Race. But I think if I were to ever go back on an All-Stars, that's when I would change it. I think that's when I would just do Juice Box 1X. So that way it's just like, okay, 1X, we are not related. I only put two because I thought three was too porny and one was boring. That's why I did the two. I didn't even think of Pandora Box at the time. I completely f***ed up. Everybody thinks we're... We actually did a show together and she read my name and went, well, and apparently we're cousins, Juice Box. And I was like... I want to die. <laughs> like, it's just awful. So I feel like if I ever get on an All-Stars, if I were to go back, that's when I would be like, hi, just clearing the air. Me and Pandora aren't related. This is my last name. Not the same last name. We're changing it. We're rebranding. <laughs> I can see where the double X is kind of cool. But like, yeah, I, I hadn't really thought about it, if I'm totally honest. I thought, well, you're from Canada. She's American. Probably like, I'm assuming nope. probably not. <laughs> No, not, not related at all. Met once uh, and she's lovely. Absolutely a peach. Wonderful person. Great performer. Love, wish her nothing but amazing and success, but we're not related and it's completely my fault. And I am an idiot. <laughs> well, I'm glad you cleared up that. Um, so I'd love to just cut onto my quick fire round of questions. So what? it's just five quick questions. So top of your head, the first thing that comes to your mind. Um, and it's just sort of like five silly questions. Some are drag related, some are not, but just first thing that comes to your mind. Cool. Okay, so lipstick or lip gloss? Uh, lipstick. Yes or no, pineapple on pizza? No. Favourite emoji? Um, the pleaser one. Smile with the watery eyes. It's my favorite. <laughs> um, so to drink, soda or juice? <gasps> soda. I love pop. It's my weakness. I love it so much. And can you summarize your experience on Drag Race in one word? Uh, panic. <laughs> ah, I should have just screamed. Um, yeah, I would say, say panic. Panic <laughs> and then, panic. ah. Uh. <laughs> well, thank you so much. It's been so lovely to get to know you. And like, I'm sure my audience will like, hear all of this really cool like, backstage tea and hear more about you. Um, so if people do want to, you know, hear more about you, follow you, where can people find you? <sighs> okay. They're not all the same because everyone picks up the name Juicebox. So I'm sorry, bear with me. So if you want to follow me on TikTok, it's Juicebox Tiki Talkie. If you want to follow me on Instagram, it's Juicebox Official. If you want to follow me on Twitter, which I do mostly posting, it's my favorite place to be, Juicebox Queen. If you want to, do I have anything else? If you want to follow me on Twitch, it's twitch.tv slash juicebox twitch. Um, and I think that's all my social media. God willing, no more. I made a Tumblr and a Hive and, I'm, and I haven't touched them because I'm like, I, I need, I, I, ugh, it's too much. It's true. It can be too much. And um, yeah. do you have any upcoming projects or anything you sort of want to talk about? What can we expect from Juicebox? Um, I mean, there's two things that I have right now that I can talk about. Everything else is kind of like under wraps, but 
Um, you can listen to me and Cynthia kiss every single week um, with semi-qualified Queens pod um, where we talk about all things drag. Uh, we are, I think, going to be venturing into some different kind of cool things in the next coming years. So definitely follow us to follow up on that. And if you want to hear about me talk about video game things, I do have a podcast with Flannel Jax, who is another streamer on Twitch. And we just talk about out of no drag related. It's all just about video game reviews. And we just talk about games that you might've played, might not have played. Um, and it's called it's dangerous to go alone. It's another podcast. I know I'm a white guy with two podcasts, leave me alone. Um, <laughs> but if you ever want to hear my opinions about video games, if you ever want to do that stuff, I don't know that one, that one's, that one's a little less popular because people are like, no drag. Um, but I also have that one too. If you guys want, that one's more of a passion project. And I think just watch out for my next year. I've got lots of projects on the, um, on the radar, just things I can't obviously announce yet. Um, and hopefully I'll be in a city near you really soon. And if you want to book me, you just go to my website, just go to my Instagram, click that little booking number and give me an email. Great. Well, thank you so much. I've really loved speaking to you and I really do hope we see you on an all stars. Let's hope one day with that cast, that would be amazing. So let's manifest uh, that. I would simply evaporate. I would just be like, goodbye. <laughs> well, thank you so uh, much. I really appreciate it. So I guess, yeah, we'll see what happens with Juicebox. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.